You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski. I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. Enormous injury news for the Packers and the Chiefs as we sit here on this Friday afternoon because the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs injury report came out first. And that was the one that we were most anxiously awaiting because we wanted to know if Patrick Mahomes was going to play. And Patrick Mahomes is not going to play. And and we knew that he probably was not going to play. But to get the official word on Friday here is crucial for the Packers as they prepare over the next few days, as they finish up their preparations for what this Kansas City Chiefs offense is going to look like. That was more expected. I think some of these other, other injuries were less expected because Eric Fisher practiced this week, and he is not going to play. Andrew Wiley, the starting left guard, is not going to play. And then Chris Jones and Kendall Fuller were guys who have been hurt. They are still hurt. Um, there was a, a report on Wednesday, I believe it was, that went out that Chris Jones had practiced. And then after practice, the reporting was that he hadn't practiced. So it turns out he is not good to go. And then Frank Clark gets added to the injury report, even with the extra time to prepare following the Denver game. And that is absolutely enormous as we project forward to what this defense is going to look like because the defense has been pretty solid against the pass despite you know some of the, the talent issues, despite not having Chris Jones, despite um, some inconsistent play from Frank Clark. And then they go out and absolutely suffocate the Denver Broncos. They demolish Joe Flacco. They get after Garrett Bowles and a decrepit Denver Broncos offensive line. That's not going to happen this week. And not just because they don't have Frank Clark and and Chris Jones, but because Green Bay has, if not the best pass-blocking offensive line, one of the best pass-blocking offensive lines. And you have Aaron Rodgers. And on the other side, Eric Fisher is not going to play. I mentioned Andrew Wiley. Cam Irving has been in at that left tackle spot, and he has been awful. He's been terrible, one of the worst starting offensive linemen in football since he's been in, and Martinez Rankin at left guard uh, has not been great either. So you look at what you can get from Preston Smith, and you see what you can get from Zadarius Smith, and the way that you can control this offense in Kansas City without Patrick Mahomes. That is a, a huge lift for your defense because it's still going to be tough to, to stop this Kansas City offense. They still have Travis Kelsey. They still have Tyreek Hill. They still have myriad weapons that can beat you in all kinds of ways. They still have an all-time great play caller and offensive designer in Andy Reid. So it's not like the drop-off in terms of what they're doing schematically is going to be there. It's not going to be. So it's going to be more about the execution of what is being called. And for uh, someone like Matt Moore, that means not pushing the ball down the field as far 
and it means not being as accurate on some of those deep routes. This has to be a week where you stop the big play. This has been a problem for the Packers' defense most of the season. Even when they played well, there have been times when they have given up the big play. They got Minnesota back into that game because they allowed some big plays. And there were big play issues against Philadelphia and against Dallas in that comeback. Getting Darnell Savage back, we think he is going to be back. He is questionable officially, but he seems optimistic that he is going to play. And uh, he was a full participant in Wednesday. That was a walkthrough. I don't think we should take him being limited on Thursday and Friday as an indication that he was regressing injury-wise. I think it is more about being cautious with that ankle. He was in walkthroughs on Wednesday as a full participant because you're not in pads. You're not doing the full deal. Well, the last few days he has been limited, but he's still been out there practicing. He is still practicing. Being limited means you're still actually doing drills. Devontae Adams hasn't practiced. He's stretched. So Devontae Adams not going to go in this game, and, and obviously that has repercussions as well. But when you look at what's going on with this offense and what they did last week, against Oakland, you don't have Devontae Adams. You have uh, MVS, who is less than 100%. And you're going against a defense with no pass rush and a, de- and a depleted secondary, uh, or in this case, a secondary that's just not very good. That is more or less what they're going to face in Kansas City on Sunday night. And so if you can't rush Rodgers and you have to blitz him, he's been one of the three best quarterbacks, depending on what metrics you like to look at, at, at beating the blitz this season. So if Steve Spagnuolo is going to blitz, good luck, my guy, because that is not how you take care of Aaron Rodgers, you have to be able to rush four and you have to be able to drop seven in coverage and cover. And those linebackers can't do it. You look at the way the Packers attacked Dallas with their linebackers and they have really good linebackers. They were able to get favorable matchups for them. If Noah Fant could catch the ball, they would be uh, much better against Denver. The the Broncos offense would have been because he was open a lot against those linebackers. Uh, It doesn't look like Big Bob Tanyan is going to be back Uh, But Mercedes Lewis and Jimmy Graham is coming off his best game as a Packer, I think, in terms of impact and his ability to create. So this is is a team that is set up to be exploited by the Packers offensively. And I think if you turn it on the other side of the ball, the same thing is true because you got a backup quarterback. You have a a pass rush that is chomping at the bit to get back out there and, and try and do something against an offensive line that is depleted, that is giving up pressure. And it's the kind of situation where you, you, can, you can make Matt Moore beat you by rushing four, which is exactly what you want to do. This has been one of the best teams in the league rushing just four. I don't think they're going to pressure Matt Moore consistently. I think they're going to get him into third and long. That's going to be the goal. And try and blitz him on those downs. But on early downs, try and just rush four. Drop your guys and make him read coverages. Make him read your defense and you can disguise that way. That has been the big difference, I think, defensively for the Packers this season. You can you can rush four, and you have guys on the back end that can take care of business, whereas last year you had to always blitz to get pressure on the quarterback. So this is going to be the kind of game where Green Bay, you know, they can do whatever they want really offensively because they're going to be able to run the ball. This is a Kansas City team that cannot stop the run. And I actually think Green Bay, 
you know, it was it was it was thrown out to me that the Packers would face a Chiefs team that are going to handle them a lot like the Kansas City Chiefs did in 2011 when they um, took down the Packers. They were the only team in the regular season to beat Green Bay that year in Arrowhead uh, with Romeo Cornell and and Brady Quinn and and just a game that I think a lot of Packer fans who are old enough to remember uh, do not remember with any kind of fondness. Uh, but it is it is not really the kind of game that I think Kansas City should be conservative with. They should be pushing the ball down the field, trying to hit big plays with Tyreek Hill, because if there's only 10 possessions in this game, you you can't expect Matt Moore to score more than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it just if you're gonna if you're gonna slow the game down and try and play possession football, Aaron Rodgers is gonna be more efficient than you are. And and we just saw Oakland try it. We just saw Oakland try and do it. And you're just not because you're gonna turn the ball over probably. And the, the Packers' defense has is, is been so good situationally, especially in the red zone, that they can put you in disadvantageous positions for you and create for themselves. Because if you give Aaron Rodgers 10 possessions, he's going to score on four, five, six of them. And you're probably not. You're, you're just not going to be as efficient. So what the, what the Chiefs should do is try and hit shot plays over the top. It has to be Green Bay's absolute priority to make sure they are not allowing big plays down the field. It has to be what Darnell Savage is in the game for. It has to be what Adrian Amos is in the game for. I think this is going to be a week where we see a lot more Oren Burks. This has been a question a ton of you on Periscope are asking about. Oren Burks, Matt LaFleur said it today. He has earned more reps, and he's been an impact player on special teams. Against someone like Travis Kelsey, you have to have linebackers that can cover. B.J. Goodson, this Chiefs offense is not good enough running the ball for Goodson to be out there. I, I am not even a little joking when I say Oren Burks should take all of B.J. Goodson's snaps this week. And Matt LaFleur has shown a willingness, as has Mike Patton, to be very specific about where they're going with their personnel and, and that week is who who's going to play that week versus the next week. They've been very adaptive, and that is crucial as we look toward the rest of the season and the playoffs, you have to get someone like Oren Burks on the field, someone who can cover, someone who can be an impact player in the passing game because B.J. Goodson cannot be that. You have to be willing to get that guy on the field and just sink or swim with him, either succeed with him or fail with him. That just that has to be your plan. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all of your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie. Visit MyBookie.ag today and use the promo code Locked On to activate their offer. All right, we're going to get to some of your questions. There's been a lot of questions about receiver. We are going to get to that in just a second. Let's start here. Uh, with Lawrence in Las Colinas. Hey, Peter, man, great win, and I'm so proud of our receiver group cutting down on the drops and making plays, not to mention Rodgers and the play calling was great. Should we be worried about our pass rush and zero sacks? Love your content. Go, Pack, go. So this is going to be the plan now. Opposing offenses are going to try and get the ball out quick and hope that Mike Patton plays the same way. Hope that he plays soft on the outside. Hope that he plays a lot more zone coverage. It is the kind of approach that I thought he would change during the game, and he just didn't. And and busting zone coverages is is obviously not part of the plan. Uh, but you have to. So you have to execute first of all. 
But then second of all, you you need to be a little bit more aggressive on the outside. And I think it is the kind of approach this week where you're going to have to play man coverage. We know that that is what this offense can be beat with. It's what Patrick Mahomes struggles with the most. I do think, though, with Matt Moore versus Patrick Mahomes, you're going to see a little bit more zone coverage. And maybe what we'll see is man on the outside, and then you're going to play two shell, and your linebackers are going to play zone underneath. There there are a lot of, of different options. I think they're going to mix coverages. I don't think the pass rush is something to worry about. They've been really good creating four-man pressure. They were close to some hits against Derek Carr. Derek Carr's MO is to get the ball out. Not every quarterback's MO is like that. And so you're going to have to find ways. Mike Patton is going to have to manufacture ways to make a quarterback hold the ball. If that means playing press man more. Jair Alexander has been, by pro football focus grades, the best press man corner in football this year. And I would love to see them do that a little bit more. They're made for that. And maybe they they haven't been doing it as much lately because you don't have Darnell Savage on the back end. You need that eraser. If you're going to play a bunch of, of man coverage, you need to have safeties that can play on the back end and erase mistakes. So if you get beat, you, you need someone that's going to be there. And so that has to be something that you're you're considering when you're talking about the changes Mike Patton could be making. Now, Tim from Milwaukee asked a really interesting question that I think is appropriate this week. Hey, Peter, what's happening? Tim from Milwaukee checking in. Quick question for you, maybe a good one for the live show. Taking into consideration Mike Patton's approach defensively with the idea of playing smaller, um, maybe giving up some rushing yards, but not getting beat over the top, being strong in the secondary. Do you think at full strength with, you know, Savage and Amos and King and Alexander and guys that are healthy and playing on the top of their game. Do you think if we get to that point this year, do we see an evolution in the defense and maybe get a little bigger at the linebacker position and maybe play bigger up front and trust these guys in the secondary to be where they need to be? Uh, Wondering what your thoughts are on this. I'll stay locked on. Thanks, Peter. I don't know that they would do that, but I think it, this is this is back to our point about Oren Burks. The plan all offseason was to play in a nickel package that included Oren Burks. That was more of a two-down defensive lineman, two pass rush ends, Blake Martinez, and Oren Burks. And so you're playing bigger. It's not quite that three-safety nickel look. And you, you've got that extra linebacker on the field. And in this case, it's a linebacker who can cover. And that's the difference with Oren Burks. You put B.J. Goodson on the field, you understand that you are trying to take care of run responsibilities and say, if you throw the ball, might be SOL. That's tough. That's tough. If you can do both, you want that guy on the field. And so that is why my point all along has been play Oren Burks and sink or swim with him and give up whatever deficiencies he has against the run because that's where his deficiencies are are run fits and run assignments. I think he's looked better in in small bursts, but you need to get him on the field. He needs to be on the field. When you when you have someone like Travis Kelsey, I know Adrian Amos looked good last week in man coverage when he had to do it. When you have the safeties on the field, um, that gives you an opportunity to, to cover with those safeties when you have guys that you trust. If you can play Will Redman with Savage and Amos, that makes him a bigger weapon than when he has to be your your back end last line of defense guys. 
And that's the that's the problem that you know you you face when you don't have Darnell Savage in the game. He cannot be that eraser on the back end. And so you're you're less likely to play Will Redmond in certain situations. You're less likely to play Adrian Amos in certain situations. You have to be a little bit more uh, conservative with the way you call your defense. And you know obviously that's that's not how you you want to attack most teams. All right. Pete, Jason from Nashville, you you have to talk about at least the possibility of Josh Gordon going on waivers and the Packers putting in a claim on him. Getting that much talent for nothing has to be a no-brainer. So the the Josh Gordon question is an interesting one because uh, we don't really know the machinations of what it would take to get Josh Gordon at this point. Um, He is on IR. And he's hurt, but he says he's going to be healthy. So once he gets healthy, the presumption is that he would, with some sort of injury settlement, be released off IR. After this weekend, cannot be traded, so that's off the table. If Once he gets released off IR, he is a free agent. So that would, that would make him fair game for anyone. I don't think it is a bad idea to consider Josh Gordon, um, especially because he's free. In this case, you don't have to trade anything for him. I am still hopeful that Ryan Grant can can be something for you. I still think he can play. I think he can be useful. I think especially with someone like Darius Shepard not being out there, he gives you a different kind of player. He can play in the slot. I would give him opportunities. Now, that said, Josh Gordon is more talented, just flat out more talented. And anytime you can add talent to your team, you should do that. By all accounts, Josh Gordon was a good teammate. Uh, the the Patriots media loved him. They said that he he was always upfront with them and and handled his business the right way, which is you love to see because you know that that kind of um, taking responsibility has not always been a forte of his. And so you know it's it is an interesting idea. The questions and I got a lot of, a lot of different questions about the receivers this week, and I understand you know the the concern level there, I guess. Uh, but it, it it's just weird to me that after a game in which Aaron Rodgers throws five touchdowns to five different guys, has a perfect passer rating, and I know it was against the Raiders, that there is all of this concern uh, about the receiver position. Did we not just watch the same game? And I, I guess I just I don't understand I don't understand that. But and 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 Ben Al- and Ben Albright reported that the Packers had been interested in a receiver and that Alan Lazard and Jake Kumaro made them sort of reconsider what their evaluation of the, the trade market would be because your, your assessment of what a guy is worth is only based on what he brings to your team. So Mohamed Sanu is worth more to the Patriots than he would wor- be worth to Green Bay. And Emmanuel Sanders is worth more to the 49ers than he would have been worth to the Packers. So if you don't think that Alan Lazard or Jay Kumaro are significantly worse than some of these other guys, or at least there's the, the potential for them to be impactful players, then you don't have to worry about trading for someone. Uh, I, I am still intrigued by the idea of Kenyon Drake. I think that would give them a fun wrinkle and someone that can play all over the formation. They would love to be able to play with three running backs. It's just that Dexter Williams is not ready. It's not ready. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there is a concern for me about, oh, well, Marquez Valdez-Scantling is not a number two, or John Allison is not a number two, or, you know, Alan Lazard is not a number three. 
who cares? Who cares? Look at the production on the field. They're winning games. They're finding ways to win games without them. And that is good. It's good, by the way. When you can find different ways to win, that is good. When you can use Aaron Jones and you can use Jamal Williams and you can use your tight ends and you have a a coaching staff that can put your guys in a position to succeed, then you have a, a formula for success. And the, the guys that are out there are producing. They're producing. They produced last week against Dallas. It was pretty clear from the beginning that the idea was get Aaron Jones on these linebackers. We think we can torch them. And they did. So this, this oh, they only had 50 yards or whatever it was on four catches or, or whatever, the, the, whatever the numbers are. They were up 31-3 in that game. They were up 31-3 in that game. And, and you're worried about a lack of productivity? Who cares? They found ways to be productive on offense. And I know everyone wants Aaron Rodgers to go out and, and throw five touchdowns and 430 yards every game. They don't have to win that way. And frankly, I don't think Packer fans should want them to win that way because you want to lighten the load on Aaron Rodgers, especially in the regular season, so that when he needs to make plays in January, he can do it. This is what Tom Brady does every year. Remember how bad Tom Brady looked in the regular season last year? Tom Brady was bad. I mean bad. Bad. Not not like it's bad by Tom Brady standards. There were games when he was flat out bad. And in January, he came through. Because that is sort of how he has set up his season. He set up his season so that he is peaking in December and January. Aaron Rodgers, if he doesn't have to do this every week, that saves him shots on his body. It saves him reps on his arm. And it saves the Packers from having to go to, let's say, looks and plays that they don't want to show before they have to. So, uh, you know, the, the questions, you know, this question about getting separation against playoff teams. Who are the guys in the playoffs that they're going to face that they haven't already seen? Vikings couldn't stop Devontae Adams. Cowboys couldn't stop this offense. Those are playoff teams. Those are playoff teams. Are, does, does Seattle's defense strike fear in the heart of anyone? I don't think so. And, you know, okay, New Orleans, they've got a good defense. That's a good team. Marshawn Lattimore is a really good cornerback, and they've got a pass rush. But, I mean, are they, are they drastically better defensively than Green Bay is? No. Is anyone afraid of what's going on in, in Los Angeles with that defense? I mean, Aaron Donald is awesome. Jalen Ramsey is awesome. The rest of that defense, kind of garbage. I mean, Tampa Bay lit them up. So I, I understand that traditionally speaking, from a Packers standpoint, this is not the kind of talent that the Packers have traditionally succeeded with. You look at 2014, and they had prime Jordy Nelson, prime Randall Cobb, and ascending Devontae Adams. You had Eddie Lacy in the backfield, James Starks, and a killer offensive line. That's awesome. In 2010, you go out and... Jennings, Driver, Jones, Jordy. Uh, Jermichael was hurt, but he was on that team to start with. But they had no running game. And this is a better Packers offensive line. When, when I look at this team, how many teams in the NFC have a better group of offensive players than Rodgers, Jones, 
Adams, and this offensive line? Who has that same level of talent? And, and the answer, and the only answer that I keep coming back to is New Orleans. They're the only team that, has, that can match that. They're the only team. And they don't have anyone beyond Michael Thomas, just like the Packers. So if you're going to complain about number two, who is the New Orleans number two receiver that makes you so afraid? Ted Ginn? Traquan Smith? Alvin Kamara is awesome. So is Aaron Jones. I think the Packers' offensive line is better than New Orleans, and I think Green Bay's defensive talent is better than New Orleans. Now, I don't know if they're a better defense, although by DVOA they are. I think Green Bay's is more, um, it is more malleable, it is more adaptive, and it is more likely to create turnovers than New Orleans. I think that game, that matchup, I think they're the two best teams in the NFC right now. And I think the winner of that game is most likely to be determined by where that game is played. In New Orleans, I think New Orleans has to be the favorite. In Green Bay, I think Green Bay is the favorite. That said, I think Green Bay could go to New Orleans. We know Aaron Rodgers in a dome is as close to unstoppable as there is. There is no way New Orleans goes to Lambeau in January and wins. Just no way. The folks at Roman, a men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Get $10 off your first order of swipes and free two-day shipping at GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNFL. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network offers many same-day care options to fit your busy schedule. Your health is important, so stay on top of it this football season. Take advantage of what is possible through one of the many convenient ways to get the care you need from the area's leading physicians. In need of primary care, personalized care is delivered at more than 40 health centers and clinics throughout southeastern Wisconsin. Many locations offer Saturday and extended evening hours. You can even schedule that appointment directly online. Prefer to save yourself a trip? Schedule a visit site with your own doctor through the safe and secure MyChart app or request a virtual clinic appointment 24-7 and be seen by a board-certified provider in 30 minutes or less using your phone, tablet, or laptop. For more serious conditions, staff at urgent care clinics and emergency departments are ready to treat you when you need it most, even late at night. Whether in the comfort of your home or at one of many convenient locations, Freighter and the MCW Health Network staff will provide you with exceptional care rooted in innovation and discovery. To learn more about all these care options, visit www.freighter.com care or call 1-800-DOCTORS. The Freighter and the Medical College of Wisconsin Health Network, this is what is possible. So I think to, end, to finish up here, uh, the, the Packers are... They're, depending on where you look, three and a half, four-point favorites uh, in Kansas City. As I went back and looked at it, uh, there are a number of metrics where Green Bay was already ahead of, of the, the Chiefs, even with Patrick Mahomes. And the football outsiders had DVOA, and that was a little bit shocking to me, actually, to see that the Packers were ahead of Kansas City in Dave, which is their DVOA plus their projection. And that... I think is evidence that these teams are closer than we thought, even with uh, the the Mahomes being healthy. I, I I do a point model where I where I put together all these inf- this information and statistics from around the the internet and from smart people and a lot of different things. And and that model said that Green Bay and and the Chiefs on a neutral field were basically even, like within a quarter of a point with Patrick Mahomes. So without Patrick Mahomes, even at home, 
I think that that four number is probably right. I think um, Patrick Mahomes is probably worth a touchdown. And so you get to, you know, you get your two and a half and then the other side, yeah, four and a half, five. And then with all these other injuries, I think, you know, it, it gets to eight, nine, ten, and then you get your home field advantage back. So I think Green Bay wins this game 28-21, something like that, 27-20. Uh, I just don't see how Kansas City is going to stop Green Bay. I, I could see this being a game where Green Bay wins by two touchdowns. I, I feel really confident in this team and, and their ability to go to Kansas City against this defense. I mean, I know Steve Spagnolo has seen Aaron Rodgers. There have been some games certainly where he has had success against Aaron Rodgers, but he had players in those games. And for the Chiefs to be down all of their stalwart defensive players, if the Packers are good, if the Packers are good, not not even great, if they're good, they go and win this game by a touchdown at least. And if they're a true NFC contender, they go win this game by 10 or more. And that's what they should be. That's what they should strive for. This is all gas, no break. That's how they have to play. Do not go in and just try and, and just barely beat them. Don't go in and just try and, and sneak out a win. Go in and try to punish this team because you, they can. They have the talent to do it. So go and, and beat the hell out of this team because they really, they are capable of doing it. So, so go on the road, which was a problem last year, against a backup quarterback and a team without basically all of its best defensive players and put the bang thing on them. That, that is the goal. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Well, not going to be back tomorrow, but that would be great if we were. We're going to be back Monday to talk about the, the Chiefs game. Uh, and hopefully a win. I think it's going to be a win. Uh, and then uh, back at it. We're back at it with the Chargers in L.A. Uh, although I'm just going to keep calling them San Diego because they don't they don't, they don't deserve to be in L.A. Uh, and and I, if you're going to be one of those you know, 30,000 Packer fans that's going to be at the game in L.A., let me know. Uh, remember, you can follow the podcast uh, on iTunes. Subscribe, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. Uh, anytime you want to hit us up on Twitter, you can do that. Follow me, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. And anytime you want to be a part of a show like today, you can do that on, well, show up on Periscope. That's the best way. But you can also hit us up on Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. Locked on Packers.